Amen. Church, good morning. Good morning and great to see all of you here in this room and those who are joining us online. We're going to continue in our series, Build. We're going to be talking about how we build by prayer. But if you are joining us for the first time in person or online, we want to welcome you and we want to thank you for being part of Building Together. And wherever you're joining, I know someone actually in the city of Kiev it's joining us uh, on the, in the service at 11 o'clock, whatever different time they have over there. But we want to thank you for coming. Those returning, we have lots of rooms for those who are not yet here online, so we're inviting you to come back and join us. If this is your last time, you have to talk to me before you leave, okay? <laughs> no, I don't think anybody's thinking about that, but we want to continue to build, and today, as the end of the service, we're gonna be talking about prayer, I hope some of you, we grabbed the engaged newspaper. There's a lot you can receive there and to be able to continue to know how to pray and how to participate and how to, to get involved because we're doing this together. In this series on Build, we started to talk about some of the things you saw in the video. What should we build? We build by prayer, we build by being in community, we build by just joining in the different things that God will give us together as a church to build. But we started with God. We answered that question last week. The most profound question, who is God? If we're gonna build, God is a builder. So we have to look to God as the one that we will build as he leads us. And we can build upon God because of the names of God we talked about. We looked at Moses and how God revealed himself to Moses and how God called Moses to build by the name that he had given, revealed to Moses. The Almighty, the All-Present, the All-Powerful, the All-Seen God. And so Moses, we take off to build kingdom about that. And we looked at Pastor Rob talk last week about how we build in our response to who God is, our response in worship, and that's what we experience here. And then we're going to talk today about our response to God in prayer, about how we can build in prayer. Because brothers and sisters, prayer is the lifeline. Prayer is the key as we're going to, to see this. So we chose to be in the book of Nehemiah, where we're going to learn about how to build by prayer. And we'll be answering that question, why? Do I pray? Why should I pray? Why did Nehemiah pray? Will be the question we'll answer. And then the challenge we'll all get is, how do we go about praying? What, what are the reasons why I should pray? What are the principles that I will learn? And by the way, when I get to that, you're going to get involved. You are singing, so I know you can talk, right? So when we get to what it says, what are the principles, we're going to read it together. Uh, what are the principles? And then we look at some of the application to build. Nehemiah, if you don't know this man, he's a man in the Bible. The book of Nehemiah, Ezra, and Esther, you can put all those within the same historical, biblical historical timeline. But Nehemiah was the man who returned from captivity, from exile in the city of Susa. He came back to his hometown of Jerusalem in the area of Judah to rebuild. So you can, rebuild, you can build from a distance. So Nehemiah was one of those who they were, his parents were actually taken to captivity because if you read in 2 Chronicles, the last chapter there, 36, it told the people of Israel, if you don't obey God who are taking you from the land and brought you, I will take you into captivity. It was devastating. 
the city of Jerusalem was, was destroyed. The temple was destroyed, the gates were destroyed, and those of us who visited there, you will stand over where the first temple was, and they will tell you maybe these are all excavations they've done down, down, down below. But they destroyed them and took them into captivity. God's temple was destroyed, the things were taken out. It was sad. Now, Nehemiah is in the area of Babylon. So we put together a map that you can see the distance where he was. So he's over there in Susa. That is in the Babylonian, the Persian Empire, where he was born and where he was a captive from his parents' hometown of Judah, that's the area, and the city of Jerusalem that was destroyed. And so people were going back and forth. Nehemiah was in captivity, and we're going to see as people went back and forth those days to find out what's happening, what's the news back home. Those of us who fled from other countries and part of this congregation, or some of you online, we always want to get news from home, what's happening. But the greatest thing we can do is prayer, and that is what we're going to learn from Nehemiah, from Susa, he will head back to, to Judah, he's going to be even a governor in that city, but he was going to rebuild by prayer. There are lots of things we can get from the book of Nehemiah, but the focus of this message today is to see the reason why he prayed. And then we're actually going to have uh, two stories, uh, the, the ones I will tell and also one of the brothers we share. Why does he pray? Where does he pray? And how does he pray? And how you and I can, can do the same. So if you can, and please stand. I'm going to read Nehemiah chapter 1. And from there, we will start to look at the principles and the application. Nehemiah chapter 1. If I can get to that passage. Nehemiah chapter 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakali, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his commandment of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are faithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people whom you redeem by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, 
let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. Holy Spirit, as you cleanse us by your word, Holy Spirit, as you revive us, we ask now, Holy Spirit, that your word will speak to us, where each one of us are, that we will understand and we will obey. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Why should I pray? Why did Nehemiah pray? We're going to look at these reasons. And the first reason we see in the text here, we see in the scripture, the first reason that Nehemiah gave is he had a big problem. And it is listed even as we've heard in the, re in the reading, his people were in distress, disgrace. The walls are broken down. Imagine the holy city that is now devastated and there's shame on these people and it's in shambles. You know, all these wonderful walls that were built were now just rubble all over the place. He wasn't sure what he could do about it. And what he did, he, the Bible says here, for days he mourned and fasted and prayed. You know, we, why should we pray is when we have a problem, a trouble, when something is not where we think it should be, when it's gone out of course and what was God's plan. These were the people that God has called and chosen and selected to carry on his work. And Amaya said, well, when shame, we have to pray. And he did. And so there's a principle we can draw from this text and application. So we'll read that principle together. Will you join me in reading? When I build something, it is inevitable I will face big problems. Nehemiah's prayer gives me a template of how I can pray. Yes, we're going to look at this template that every one of us in this room and those of you online joining us, we have a problem and we need to take it to God because it is only by prayer that these things we face. When there's a problem in a family, at your workplace, on a job, you know, it's easy to talk about it. It's easy to complain. It's easy to point fingers. It's easy to gripe. It's easy to say this. But let's learn from Nehemiah. Why pray when you have a big problem? And how should you pray? Nehemiah is using a format of prayer that we can draw from the scripture that some of us use. We call it the ACTS. And I think you, all of us can use that. The word pray, prayer, there are many acronyms you can use. But we're going to use this one. That in his prayer, he started by adoration. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. He starts by a focus on God. When the problem is so huge in the family, in the home, at work, when it is so huge, look to God. You don't look to God by just the complaint you will give. You look to God by focusing on who he is and what he has done. Whether by the names of God, by what he has created and what he has done. And we've been looking at God with the focus, what the Bible says, we believe as God. We call upon his name. We call upon his name, we call God by his name. Adonai, Father, Jehovah Rapha, whether it's healing, just lift up the name of God, exalt him. When you see how God is high and exalted and lifted up like even Isaiah in chapter 6, then you will see yourself, I will see myself, we will see ourselves as sinful people. And so for Nehemiah, as he exalted God, the next thing he says here, I confess 
the sins we Israelites, including myself, my father's family have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws your servant Moses gave us. We will have to acknowledge our sins before God. Every individual, when you see the holiness and the righteousness of God, you come to the place where you will say, God, this is my sin. This is the sin that I, God, have committed. This is the sin in my family. This is our falling short of the glory of God. This is a sin in my church. We've gone this way. We've acted this way. Brothers and sisters, that is huge to see God have a breakthrough. When we are praying, we are trusting God that he is loving and forgiving. I, we, I come to you. We've been here on stage with elders and other leaders. Where we have failed, we have said that for, before you. But each one of us to look, God, in order for us to rebuild, what is the sin of our church? What is the sin that we start to see that we have done it? It's not just pointing the hands and God, change these things. God, do something in our lives. We are wrong, we are sorry. Because God says in his word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. Maybe that's one-on-one. -on -one. You need to go to a brother. You need to go to a sister and say, this is where we have failed you. Forgive us, God. You know, I was thinking about this today on my way here. You know, you prepare these things, but the Holy Spirit always takes charge. You know, we, we yield to that. And one of the things that my wife and I, we've talked about this for a long time. If I really have a sin in my life against my wife in particular, guys, this is for us all. If I have a sin in my life against my wife, God is not going to answer that prayer. That is scary. So I would turn my attention to say, oh God, look at me and God, let me be able to, to know my sins, confess my sins, and God, then I will come back to you because you are faithful, I will follow you. And so let's examine our hearts. We need to turn back the clock. Maybe going forward, we need to look at the, the sin of our church on the things that have been done, whether here, there, and everywhere. But a loving and heavenly Father will forgive us our sins, we renew us. So Nehemiah, adoration, confession. And then he gives thanks in verse 8 and, and 9. He talks about God has given his word. God has been faithful. And he said, God, I thank you. You said if we're taken into exile, we will come back. I thank you, God, for your promises. How much do I count on the promises of God and my relationship with him? If every one of us individuals were looking to God for where the things have been broken down, have been shattered, but we come to a holy God and confess our sins, he is faithful and forgive. And Nehemiah ends this prayer in verse 11 by petitioning, by standing in the gap. He says, Lord, your ear be attentive to the prayer of this servant and the prayers of your people. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. So Nehemiah is coming to God and saying, God, I believe your word. We need to believe this scripture, not believe our circumstances, our situation of all these crazy theories we hear there that we make our life. Only the Bible and the word of God is going to give us the hope and the future we have. So why did Nehemiah pray? 
because he had a problem. And you and I, we're going to build something. We're going to face the problem. But our God is bigger than any problem we have. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing my God cannot. You remember doing that in kids' school? We taught that to our children. So God is bigger than the problem, and he will be able to solve those for us. Second reason, why did Nehemiah pray? Now, let me give you a context before we look. We will read this. He needed a quick answer. At the end of chapter 1, Nehemiah is praying that grant me favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer. Nehemiah's role in, in Susa, he walked in a palace. He must have been in one of these high-end uh, service industries that they put him in the palace. A cupbearer was that person when the king is being served his food, he will be the one that we taste it, we check it out, that there's nothing to poison the king. So that was the job he had. Very, very serious job. But this particular day, we're going to look at um, the problem that he needed a quick answer. He spent about four months in fasting and prayer. Church, what a call up to, on us to say, how much time are we spending in fasting and prayer? So he, he did that. And so now he's in the presence of the king, and the king noticed he was sad. His appearance was not looking good. And the, the king said, why does your face look sad? And what is wrong? Are you sick? This is nothing but sadness of heart. This guy was depressed. His depression was showing. I don't think he had a mental health counselor, but he was so depressed that in the presence of the king, the king may have been afraid. Oh, is there poison? Did he just drink something? And Nehemiah said, listen, king, why am I sad? My ancestors, the city of my ancestors is in ruins. It is destroyed. The gates have been burnt down, and it is destroyed by fire. So Nehemiah is now in the presence of royalty, and he is facing something he needs to speak. And because he has been praying, he prayed a quick prayer. Verse 4, the king said to me, what is it you want? Verse 4, then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I spoke. Nehemiah immediately went into prayer. You know, he was a man who was trusting God and praying. There's a principle we can get when prayer is the thing we should be banking up. So let's read the principle that we can learn from this. Together, let's read. Prayer is an investment in the future. Prayer prepares us for future action. That's what Nehemiah, he'd been praying for months and, and inviting other people to prayer. One of the books I read on Nehemiah that focus actually on vision by Andy Stanley, he says on the prayer of Nehemiah here that Nehemiah prayed for opportunities. He planned and dreamed and expected God to answer his prayer. So that arrow prayer, that instant prayer he gave in that moment, God answered that prayer. He'd been praying for the king, and the Bible says he, the, the king sitting with the queen by his side, and when Nehemiah prayed and said, if it pleases the king, please send me back. In summary, he was saying, I want to go back and rebuild. So by prayer, he made his petition, and the king supplied him with everything he had. He had instruction to get timbers and everything to go back and rebuild the wall. And the king even gave him security. He said, these guys will be your security forces. You will have to go safely to Jerusalem and rebuild. So what we see here, we as a church or individual, you and I in our lives, we need to be asking God, 
what have I been trusting you for? I am trusting God for, and you are trusting God for, that the gospel, the good news, the kingdom of God will flourish at Northland. That these seats that there are no, yet no men and women there, you'll be praying for the seats. And by the way, these seats, when we have served, they will do prayer in the sanctuary. All of you get prayed for. We pray for every seat you are sitting on. We pray for the people who used to sit there, and we pray for the future. Now, we are trusting God that he will grow his church. We as believers who are gathering here, we should be concerned, declaring the gospel, inviting and bringing. You not only invite, you bring them to join us. They may not be believers, but we know that the word of God is preached here and he will grow his kingdom. So what are the arrow prayers you are praying? So every time you sit on that seat, you 11 o'clock people, pray that God will bring another 11 o'clock person to fill the other seats and for 9 o'clock and for 5 o'clock on Saturday. God wants his kingdom to be gleaned. And Nehemiah trusted God that God will do something and God answered that prayer. I want you to think about this. There are great books some of us read on prayer and some of you here online. You may have read, read some of these books that tell us some of these quotations about prayer. And Spurgeon, he had, Spurgeon had tremendous things that says, prayer can never be in excess. If you pray this morning, you pray this afternoon, you pray this evening, there's no limits to excess of prayer. I trust that we become known as a church of prayer, that the things our church is going through, we know that we can flood the gates of heaven with praises, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, God will work. That's what Spurgeon said. And I like this other one that many of us read from E.M. Bounds. And E.M. Bounds has this to, this to say about prayer. Nothing is done well without prayer for the simple reason that it leaves God out of the work. Nehemiah was building by prayer. He said, I want to include God in the work, whether it's before a pagan king, but somebody who will give a, a permission. And this is another one we've used at church here, another quote we've used before. Prayer does not fit us for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Because sometimes we see, we get busy with what we need to do for the church. We need to be in this, we need to be in this committee, we need to do activities, we need to do projects. The greatest work, brothers and sisters, is prayer because prayer changes everything. So Nehemiah had a big problem. Why did he pray? He had a big problem. Another reason Nehemiah prayed, because God can give a quick answer to any time you prayed. You've heard when they say in school, there's always prayer if there's exam. You know, the kids will say, oh, God, help me. Whether it's homeschool or whatever, you're going to pray. Or you are on our ultimate I-4 and you see what's happening, you will pray. Prayer is always, it's never in access. Let's look at why did Nehemiah pray? Reason number three. He faced opposition and hardships while trying to complete the work. I thought they wrote this for me anyway, but because we face opposition in kingdom work. Nehemiah now comes to Jerusalem and he takes a walk around the city. He starts going around the city, not telling anybody what God has put in his heart. I hope you can this afternoon or sometime you can be digging. So when he started to tell people what he's going to do, voila, they said, what you are doing here, the people, let me tell the people, they replied. When Nehemiah told them, but Sambalat, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about it, they mocked and ridiculed him. Imagine the good cause that Nehemiah is doing for the wall of Jerusalem, 
But people are, are laughing at him. They are, they are saying, this is not going to happen. You know, you, all throughout, opposition comes when God has called you on a mission. Opposition comes when God has said, I'm going to do something. That opposition will be maybe physical health. It may be financial. It may just be confusing forces that you just can't figure out. You know, that's an opposition. But what do we do? We pray. Here's the principle we get from this one, and we can read that together. Let's read together. As I build, I should expect opposition, hardships, and disappointments. Prayer keeps me building. Prayer keeps me building. You know, when Nehemiah had all the ridicule, the insults, people were scheming, inviting him to secret meetings, and people trying to say, you can't do this. You know, they even told him, the wall you are building, if a fox goes upon it, it will break. You know, that was really demoralizing. And I think in kingdom work, I hope personally, you will see the things that oppose you to going forward when God has said you are on mission for his kingdom. Nehemiah was, was facing that. When you are overwhelmed with the problems you think you can't fight anymore, push hard by prayer. Because prayer can change all of these things that were challenged and faced. All of these enemies, you read the book of Nehemiah, they were hiring people to go and tell him some things. You know, the enemies were coming in different forms. You know, some of us have experienced that even in kingdom work. Because we know people want to distract you. People want to, you know, there are words we say, they delay you, they distract you, they divide you. And sometimes some people have even gone to death for people who are following a mission for kingdom. Nehemiah faced that. Everybody was scheming about that. You will read that over and over in chapter 5, in chapter 6, the enemies. But Nehemiah was focused because of the great and mighty God he was serving. So Nehemiah prayed reason number one, that he had a big problem the disgrace and the distress that he was facing. Number two, he prayed and trusted God, you will give me an answer in this moment when I will do something. And we've seen the opposition, the dislike and all of that. Church, we are faced that. We are faced this in many areas. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Reason number four, why did Nehemiah pray? He prayed to give God the glory to teach future generation an important lesson. When you are building by prayer, you have to see the past, the present, and the future. So as Nehemiah is back in Jerusalem and he is building, he's not looking for only those who have returned or those who are in the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah is looking, there's another generation coming. And for those who are parents, grandparents, we need to be building for the future. And we can do that by prayer. Let's read together the fourth um, principle that we can, we can follow. Please read with me. Completing the task God gives me is not the end. When prayer is behind what I build, I learn about who God is, what he can do, and the impact of prayer on future generations. So Nehemiah gets back into the city, and he realized many of these people, they have now started to do different things. You know, they were breaking the law, what God had said. They were not following the Sabbath. Some of them, it was just, you know, business, and they were putting high interest on mortgages that people were building, were, were, were giving them. It was just confusion. The word of God was not the center. 
we just sang about the church. The word of God should be the center. Jesus should be the center. That was not happening. So Nehemiah was praying for the present and the future. These people were told not to marry ungodly and pagan people. And Nehemiah was praying, if the future is going to continue, we need families that are there. If we're going to continue, we're not going to fall to the culture. And some of the things today that trouble us in our culture that Nehemiah was facing to get married, it was not only the mixed ungodly marriage, but today the application for us, uh, oh yeah, uh, it fits in my culture, a man and a man, a woman and a woman. That's not against, that's against God's word. Because the Bible makes it clear what a marriage relationship is with. Because of those things, those are some of the things we need to confess, to repent, and trust God to build our generation. So Nehemiah was charged to be able to bring reform. And look at the prayer. Some of the prayers that Nehemiah did, they were not very long. And I'll just read two of those as we wrap up here. He always prayed this way. I like the short, we call them the arrow prayers. Remember me for this, my God. And do not blot out what I have so faithfully done for the house of my God and its service. God, don't let this go in vain. Northland, God has given us a tremendous opportunity in this time in the kingdom. We should be praying today, my God, this is not over yet. And then he prayed, remember me for this also, my God, and show mercy on me according to your great love. What a wonderful way to seek God in prayer. And then the book starts with prayer. He ends with prayer. In chapter 13, two more prayers. Remember them, my God, because they defiled the priestly office and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Remember me with favor, my God. A man of prayer. Are we going to be the one that we pray in the prayer? God, remember Northland, those who are sick, those who are lost, those who are not yet saved. Remember, God, that you will bring your church to be what he wants to be. I challenge us to seek that. A couple of years ago, I was part of a, a, a home group, a study group, and we are all different families in the group. And one of the brothers in the group challenged me, and he said, Pastor Gus, I pray for more people during the week than you do on the weekend. And I said, what does that mean? He said, well, the job that I do, you know, I'm on my route each week, Every day I do that for five or six days a week and it leads me to pray for people. So I want you to watch this video and see the story of our brother Emmanuel, why he prays, where does he pray, opposition he faced, you know, how big problems he has, it tells that on the road, but also how he builds his future in prayer. Watch this.